Altiga. Hi, Kayana here. And as I'm sure you probably already know, episode three came to an end a couple of weeks ago now, but I have been super, super busy. So of course, I had to do this update. I always do the updates after the episodes end, but uh, definitely this one was well overdue because I skipped last week. So I owed it to you this week. And fortunately this week, I my schedule opened up a little bit. So I just, you know, I, I, like I said, I owe it to you. I had to jump on and give you this update. And I can't call it a quick update. Don't know how quick is actually going to be because I got a couple of questions that I want to answer, but I did want to cover a few things uh, such as my writing journey, how things have been going with that. Um, just finished a short film, got to update you on that. Some of music and men stuff um, on the business side and then also on the question side. I had a couple questions come in, so I definitely want to address those questions. Some cool, some like fun, creative stuff, some artistic stuff about the podcast that will probably bleed over into um, the eventual TV show. But we're going to get into all of that right now with this quick update. So, like I said, I've been super busy, been busy with, um, I think I mentioned to you back in July, this is this July, so July 2020, um, about uh, teaming up with Roadmap writers and you can go to roadmapwriters.com so it's, it's, if you're interested in writing at all uh and they just launched roadmap authors so if you are a screenwriter aspiring screenwriter or a just a fledgling or burgeoning screenwriter right now or if you're an author who is interested in uh, publishing your own stuff or or just the publishing industry in general you can check out their website so that's a little plug for roadmap but i won this competition with them back in july and then We've had, uh, as they call it, an entanglement <laughs> since then. It's a good thing, though, not anything negative. It's just been uh, super integral to the growth of my career. And I've also been focused on my own writing. So I'm writing, I uh, actually just shot a short film a couple of days ago, and I'm going to tell you about that. And also I'm writing a new TV pilot. And then, of course, this podcast has been ever-consuming because I'm still doing 100% of the work myself from recording this to editing and picking the music and editing the music and sound effects and all that kind of stuff. So, of course, it's quite overwhelming. So I do definitely need a, a short break from it as I focus on some other stuff. So I'm ready to start really focusing on the growth of this project. And that's not a natural thing for me to not focus on the art side of things. So I am like looking for different people to partner with. I have a few people that I um, consult that consult me and, and help me in that area, which is awesome. But I still need a little bit more help when it comes to that. So though episodes are written, I have written a ton of stuff. It's actually been written for a couple of years now. And then I do write the cold opens that you hear, the little piece that comes in before each episode. I write those timely. I write those um, probably a few days or weeks before you hear the episodes. But I may not publish to publish a new podcast episode for the story for a while. So like what you've been hearing, even though I'm, I'll record and do these updates for you, as far as the actual storyline, um, for instance, episode four is up next. So the chapters or scenes that make up that uh, again, it's written, probably won't uh, publish them to you for a little while. And by while, I mean, uh, can't put a date on it, but maybe a couple of months, um, unfortunately, simply because it's it's a little difficult for me to 
to do all of that and then also do some other stuff that I simply have to do because I need to grow this podcast. It's so important to me. Um, so anyway, it's hard to balance the art and the other stuff. And I'm an artist, first and foremost. So of course, naturally, I love doing the art part, <laughs> but um, some other stuff needs to be taken care of. The other stuff definitely sucks me dry, not in a good way. And it's just like, I do need to focus on that stuff, though, for a little while. So that's what I'll be doing. But for starters, I want you to go to amusicandmen.com slash audience dash survey. And this is going to be queued up in the show notes. And it's a couple of questions that probably will take you five minutes, if that, to answer those questions. And it helps. It's What it's going to do is help me to understand who you are, who's listening, um, the audience. And then it also helps me to know where to find you online and where and how to cater to you a little bit better. So it's super helpful. I'd greatly appreciate it if you go to amusicandmen.com slash audience dash survey, answer a couple questions. And they're, they're fun questions, too, like what kind of stuff you like to listen to, what kind of TV shows and artists you like. Uh, so uh, I think that will be pretty cool. Uh, for I think it'll be fun for you also to take the survey as well. So I mentioned a couple of seconds ago that I just finished a short film. I am so excited about it. I teamed up with a couple of producers who um, I've worked with for a while on some other stuff, and they're putting together this anthology. It was inspired by the events that happened uh, in, in the summer of 2020 surrounding the death of George Floyd. And this is an anthology, which means that it's going to be a collection of uh, directors, collection of filmmakers coming together, and each of them lending a short to this project that will uh, ultimately be a feature-length film. So it'll ultimately be a film that's probably about an hour and a half, maybe even closer to two hours um, once you put them all together. But they're all inspired by the events that are going on in our country, our country being uh, beautiful America. <laughs> there is, is inspired by those, the events that are happening right now. And so for me, I'm like, it was an honor to cast and work with two phenomenal Latinx actors. So my story revolves around, uh, it, it's told through and with, uh, through the voice of uh, the Latinx community. And so it was an honor to tell this story with and through them that that actually didn't focus on trauma or stereotypes, like the stereotypical narratives that we see about people from their native countries and the actors that I casted off backstage, great platform, backstage.com uh, is where I found them. The two actors are from Mexico and Cuba, uh, respectively, or at least they're, they're uh, well, one is actually from Cuba. He moved here not too long ago. The young lady uh, is American, but her, her parents are from Mexico. And so my thing with this, with this short film is, uh, I believe that heroes aren't born, they're made. So no one's born with a cape, but it's it's after we go through certain things that we kind of have to put a cape on sometimes. And it's uh, my story was inspired by the work and the, the story itself of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and some of the things that she's doing and the storytelling style. Uh, one of my favorite directors of all time is Alejandro Gonzalez and Yaritu. And you would know his work from like Birdman and uh, just a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to go down his whole list, but everything he makes, I love. Like everything he makes, <laughs> I absolutely love and, and worship <laughs> the ground he directorially walks on. So uh, it was it was great to be able to kind of steal from him a little bit as far as um, 
the directing style of it goes. At least I tried anyway. But this story is a journey of a young, educated woman filled with cynicism about her America. But through this short film, we experience her transition from like this insecure skeptic to this confident candidate. So in less than 10 minutes, we go from somebody who doesn't even know, doesn't see the point in protesting, doesn't know if they're going to vote, to someone who is actually like a hero for her community. She's actually going to run. So we go through that huge transition in a matter of 10 minutes, which is in its real time. I mean, I'm so excited about this film. The uh, the actress is a young lady from El Paso, uh, and she her name is Guadalupe incredible actress like and it was so funny because I found her on on backstage and I don't even know if I told her this but I she was the first person I auditioned for the part and after I I did all the auditions over zoom and after I auditioned her I kind of didn't even want to talk to anybody else I kind of knew I was like I hope she's available when I shoot because I'm casting her. Now, of course, I did audition other people. Obviously, you kind of have to go through the motions, but it was so funny. She was the first person I auditioned, and it was like she just she just blew it out of the water simply because, I mean, I don't want to get into my, the minutia of what I'm looking for, um, you know, as a director, like when I'm auditioning people or anything like that, but we did two readings, and the first one, I let her do what she wanted. Then I gave her a little bit of direction just to see how or if she knew how to take a note and change it. And it was so amazing how she did. And she's just such a phenomenal actor. I can't wait to work with her again on something much bigger. Um, but we'll get into that later. So my, my whole goal with this story um, is that I hope that it will inspire people of all races and backgrounds to be heroes, to be the heroes that they want to see. Because that's what the, what the character goes through. She is not seeing what she wants in these candidates and these people who are supposed to be here to protect us, who are supposed to be looking out for us. She's just not seeing it. So she had to be it. And it's, um, it's an, it's an amazing transition. So funny thing is that story, writing that short this summer, I believe I wrote the script back in June. Um, so writing that story has actually inspired another story, which is a half an hour drama. Normally we have hour long dramas, half an hour comedies. Uh, but more recently, we've seen the birth and the growth of half an hour dramas, which is a unique, super unique um, way of telling stories in TV. And that's the TV geek in me getting into that. You probably don't care or know the, or know the difference. But one of my favorite half an hour dramas, which they still probably categorize as a drama comedy, but it's it's an actual half an hour drama is Vita. And I've mentioned this TV show before. It's so phenomenal. It was on stars and it only had three seasons. Unfortunately, it could have gone a little bit longer. And I usually don't say that. I'm usually content with, you know, three, four, five years for something and then let it end, let it run its course and end. But this one had two relatively short seasons of maybe eight, like six to eight episodes. And then the last season, uh, it might've been five episodes, like something like altogether it had like 25 episodes between the three seasons. To me, it could have gone a little bit longer. I would have loved to see it run, uh, you know, for maybe 50 episodes, uh, but that neither here nor there. <laughs> but um, that, not specifically that show per se, but just the, the half an hour drama. Uh, and then this short film that I just did, inspired me to do a half an hour drama of my own that is inspired by someone who has to be the hero 
that they want to see. And I'm so excited about it. I'm I'm in the outlining stage of it, but so I'm not going to like give anything away, but it's uh it's funny how one thing inspires another and then the excitement uh can boil over. And then directing. Uh, I had the chance to direct these actors. So very seldom do I get the chance to with all the things I write. I don't always or usually get the chance to see them through from the paper to the screen to actually directing them. Um, so this, you know, I do direct, you know, a lot, but it's not always this, you know, from June to October to actually writing something to directing it, it, that it doesn't usually happen that fast and it actually doesn't usually happen. And the funny thing is for me, um, directing is something that I discovered probably about 10 years ago, uh, discovered that I liked. And then the more I did it, um, I think I actually discovered that I loved it. And then the more I did every time that I do it, it's one of those things that's like, I'm still thinking about it. We shot this movie probably five days ago and I still wake up every day thinking about how things went, like just thinking about it. And it went so perfectly. It went so smoothly. I always meditate and focus, you know, and visualize and see how things go. And and, in everyday life, things don't always go like exactly the way you envision it. But the funny thing is, this the shoot went pretty much about as exact <laughs> exactly the way I visualized it. Um, just putting that positive energy out there, and it was seamless. The actors were flawless. The cinematographer was amazing. Katie Williams, like shout out to her. She's probably not listening, but <laughs> but then the producers were able to pull together the whole team. Um, just pulled together like just a wonderful shoot. And we were able to move fast. We were able to move efficiently. Like all of it was just perfect. And directing is something that I absolutely love to do. Um, But I honestly never saw myself doing it at this age. I kind of saw it being something, even though I started like 10 years ago, I saw it being something that was a part of my career that uh, like Regina King right now is getting into directing. But She's much older in a sense where she's had, you know, one part of her career already established. And so for me, directing was something I saw like maybe when I'm 40, maybe when I'm 50, um, probably probably 50 and older, honestly. It wasn't necessarily something that I felt I needed to do uh, early on, career-wise, early on. So it's just interesting to, to have the experience uh, of directing, love it, and to just grow in it. <laughs> if that um, is is any clarity for, for where I am. But I embrace it. I embrace any opportunity to learn and grow and to do more with my storytelling. So moving away from that, that's, as you can see, why I've been kind of consumed um, doing the podcast, taking these all these classes and pitching and doing all this stuff with Roadmap. I actually probably have to cover that next week with the minutia of what I've been doing with Roadmap Writers, because I mentioned it, but I didn't tell you what I was doing. Uh, I'll I'll talk about that next time uh, in the next episode, next update. But doing that, doing this film, doing roadmap and then writing and then also doing the podcast is partly why I've been super overwhelmed. But with the film finished, uh, well, at least the shooting part of it and then uh, the podcast ending, at least the, the episode three ending, the story part of episode three ending, I have a little bit of time to breathe. So this weekend, I partnered up with a company called Captivate. We've moved. The podcast has moved from its its other home, which was wonderful. I had no pro- no great problems with it. But Captivate, in doing my research, is a f- relatively new company um, 
And they seem to be more active with like trying to get help podcasters grow. And their platform is beautiful. And there's this flexibility. It's just like it's modern. And I'm all for that. So I pulled the trigger almost immediately. Uh, I usually like to make a decision. I jump off a bridge and then decide how I'm going to get down, like, as I'm going down. Like, that's usually how I don't like to mull over things forever. So I discovered them um, fairly recently and pulled the trigger this weekend with switching everything over to Captivate. And I'm so far, like, really uh, satisfied and excited about the growth and the things that I can do with this platform. And you'll be able to see some of that as we um, just as things continue to grow. So anyway, that's some of the stuff that has been happening. So I want to get into a couple of questions that I had that came in over the course of uh, doing episode three and airing the, uh, the shows for episode three. So um, as you might've noticed uh, in your podcast, app, wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, uh, Amazon now has released, but Apple, Stitcher, it just, uh, SoundCloud, you might have noticed the change in the numbering for the podcasts, and you might want to know why. So instead of just numbering them uh, from one through a million, <laughs> I've kind of changed it up. So each book slash TV, so as you may, if you're just tuning in, you may not know that this project was developed several years ago as a TV show first. Now, normally people will write a book and then the TV show or movies or anything big like that comes much later. But my process was different. This, When I envisioned this story, it was written as a TV show. So it was developed as a TV show and then it was actually literally written as scripts first. And then because of various reasons, me not having the connections to pitch or the money to actually produce a TV show, I decided to do other stuff like this podcast. <laughs> and um, But before that, it was a short film. And then it was also, um, I wrote the novellas for it. So each, each episode that you would get as a TV show, each half an hour TV show episode, you would get, and it's available everywhere, books are available, but you would get you, you could get it in a little book form, something you're used to seeing, because most people don't read scripts. I mean, I do, but most normal people don't actually <laughs> read scripts. So I wanted something that audiences could read. And it's, you know, the TV industry, movie industry loves what they call IP, intellectual property, something that already exists. And scripts don't already exist. That's not something that is in the public uh, domain, so to speak. But Books are. So uh, you can get episodes one and two now on our website if you're just tuning in. So go ahead, do that. Go to musicavent.com and do that. But anyway, this project was written, um, again, as a TV show first, then books. So breaking it up for a podcast, you'll see episode 3.1, 3.2, 3.3. Those are essentially the chapters or sections or scenes um, of, ep of what would be collectively episode three. So for podcast, in order to make it easier for you to digest, each book slash TV show, each group of them will be a season. So book one will be considered season one for the for podcast only, obviously. So book one, I believe it was seven episodes or eight episodes in book one. So you saw you saw 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, but put all those together. Those will make actually season one. And they are, again, book one slash TV show one. Uh, and I hope this is not confusing. I hope I've not made this more confusing than it has to be. But 
Again, I hope you get it. You're smart. So that's why in your feeds now, it looks like I have three seasons of this podcast. And technically I do, but really it was um, altogether, there are probably only 24, 23, 24 episodes. And it's because each scene, uh, each episode is broken, broken up into its own chat and to many different chapters for the podcast. So when it comes to episode three, which is what you just heard, the last eight podcast episodes, episode three was inspired by my love of sports. So each episode, you know, of the TV show will be will have its own theme, which I love writing thematically. I love that so much. (laughs) And then because everything is so existential in my writing in general, a lot of um, the connections and threads that weave itself through um, each episode has some kind of existential feel to it. So, but for episode three, it's inspired by my love of sports, especially my love of professional football. I love sports and I absolutely love football. So all of the motivational quotes, for instance, that you hear at the very end of every of every episode, it's they were from they were quotes from famous athletes and coaches, everyone from Bill Belichick to Kobe Bryant. Uh, and then the storylines themselves for each section used sports jargon and, you know, little little tidbits like that to help move the story along. So super fun. So you'll you'll I hope you caught that in there. If you haven't, go back and listen to those stories and you'll see the kind of the way it talks and kind of uh, parallels aspects of life to many aspects of sports. And I use all sports, but um, probably 75 percent lean on football. But of course, there are some base because baseball and life are so interestingly, like oddly, especially dating. So it's so many parallels there that you could make. But um, that was really fun. I think episode three of all 12 episodes that we'll have in season one, technically season one of the book series and TV series. Um, there are 12 episodes. I think I think episode three might be my favorite. And it's mostly because. It's when Kenya finally meets Dream Guy, this guy she's been checking for a minute and she just called. She didn't know his name. She called him Dream Guy. But it's the one personally for Kenya that I saw uh, that you'll see also a slight growth. It's like, you know, this fear that she has. She she finally jumps off that bridge um, when she meets and the segues into this next question. She meets Kenneth Gold. So I had a question come in. Was Kenneth Gold? inspired by a real person. So if you go to episode 3.3, which is called Fourth and Long, see the football connection there, (laughs) but it's called Fourth and Long. Um, Kenneth Gold is this dating guru. Uh, He's like a lifestyle guru that Kenya meets through her mentor, January. And she calls the dude up and he helps her he's almost like a psychiatrist or psychologist because he helps her with some internal stuff, some insecurities and things that she has, he helps her to kind of kind of get out of that shell. And part of it is for a book that his next book that he's writing, where he helps women to uh, be able to talk to and approach and communicate best with the men in their lives or the men they want to be in their lives. So Kenneth Gold was actually heavily inspired by Paul Carrick Brunson and David Wygant. Now, these are two guys that I've studied for years um, because when I started developing and writing these episodes, like outlining these episodes, what the themes were going to be, it was probably in 2013 or 14. Yes, that long ago. 
And I think I discovered Paul Carrick Brunson first. And then I stumbled across and started actually taking, getting newsletters from David Wygan. He's a genius. Um, and both of those guys, it's probably 60% Paul, though, when I envisioned Kenneth Gold, because Paul has a family. Um, he has a wife and kids, beautiful family. He used to live in D.C. too, but I think they moved overseas recently. And just something about just his lifestyle. He's more of a family guy, whereas David is more of the bachelor, I believe. I don't want to misspeak, but last I checked, David was still a bachelor. In fact, David Wygant is the is the guy who inspired Will Smith's Hitch, that movie he was in with Ava. Um, shoot. I forget her name. Gosh, I'm so bad with names sometimes, but she's, and I love her too. But she has the line at New York and Company, the beautiful like clothing line. And she's a great actress and I'm totally like forgetting her name, but her name is Ava and she's beautiful. <laughs> she's a great actress. But anyway, she was in Hitch with, with Will Smith. Hitch, that, that guy that was helping men to talk to women, that was actually, at least I read it, that David Wygant is the guy who they base that character on. So as you can see, these are two famous dating gurus, um, dating coaches, and they did inspire Kenneth Gold. And a lot of the uh, advice that he gives Kenya was actually advice taken from David Wygant's uh, classes and some things that I heard from Paul Carrick Brunson and his books and stuff like that. So I, I've linked up links to, I've linked up links, I've linked to David and Paul's websites here. So check them out because they are really interesting dudes. And that's part of what makes me love episode three so much is that kind of, you know, seeing that male character uh, come into Kenya's life and help her in that way. Because um, all is not lost with our girl, right? I mean, I would hope not because she's, you know, kind of, it's kind of personal. <laughs> there. Um, but I will say that uh, funny thing is when I started taking this, because I was actually doing the research for the character a few years ago, and I. Um, I was using a lot of that advice in my own life. And funny enough, I did start attracting. I'm trying not to be like too personal, but I did start. I didn't necessarily attract anybody that I wanted. I will, I will say that because um, I do suck at that. But I did start attracting guys in a different way by using their advice. And it was so and it was like the simplest advice in the world. But. When you are super uh, insecure sometimes and just like, like, I'm not a shy person, but just I will admit, you know, some insecurities have stopped me from doing certain things personally, not professionally, but personally, which, as you can see in Kenya. Um, yeah. So anyway, their advice works. I will say that. So if you are a young lady and you're looking for, um, you know, some advice on, on how to, you know, make some changes, definitely look at those, those guys' websites. So the last question, I'm going to try to zoom through. It's uh, kind of evident, but I want to just be clear on it. The music. So someone asked, uh, are there music signatures for each character? Because I'm very intentional with everything. And I think that question came from there. Like, the music isn't just random, is it? And I'm like, no, nothing's random. For me, anyway. When I do things, it's very, very intentional, even if it looks random. So I unconsciously went into this with signatures or signature sounds for all of them, all five primary characters. 
but it actually became more clear with each character's appearance and each character's arc. Um, as I was uh, actually recording and reading for them, it just became a lot more clear. So let's start with Kenya. Kenya Shaw, our girl, our main character. Uh, her sound is ambient urban, which, if you don't know, it can sound like a blend of pop, hip-hop, and R&B. It, it pretty much sounds like much of what you might hear on Top 40, which is which can lean one way or the other. You might hear a pop artist with a hip-hop artist featured on it or vice versa. Uh, or you might hear something that sounds slightly EDM, but then it's like Rihanna and then it, or maybe Lizzo. You know, it, it's, it's like this cool blend of genres that tilt more urban slash uh, Top 40. But at the end, it's, it's it's the same, but it's not the same <laughs> as all of those genres put together. It may not be definitively any of them. So it's a really cool sound. It's one of my favorite sounds in music, especially now um, with all of these artists and these different genres, um, people collaborating. So the kind of music you might hear any of your favorite popular artists singing on is what Kenya's sound is when we introduce her into scenes and things like that. Uh, we tend to lean on those. So for Jay, it's definitely, she's she's more of a social girl. So you might hear more EDM slash house or electronic music with her. Usually something with high energy. She's a high energy person. She's very extroverted. She's very outgoing. And so, again, it's it's a little similar to Kenya's, but it goes, it tilts a little bit more edgy when it comes to, um, like I said, the electronic dance music, the EDM, it tilts more in that arena. Now, Ty is drastically different from the two of them because hers is more jazz and R&B. She's way more low-key than either of those, either Kenya or Jay. She's actually in her life, and we'll see this come out in some of the future storylines, and she's, she's actually the kind of girl who will go to an opera. She loves classical music. Um, but I use classical music a lot because I love it too. Um, but I use classical music a lot in the cold opens. So I don't use it again within the episode. I try not to use it again within the episode. So I stick to the jazz and R&B for her instead of overdoing it with the classical. Because classical is, in 2020, it's an acquired taste. But I actually write and wrote most of these episodes to classical music. I love Tchaikovsky and Mozart and Beethoven. I love classical music and I listen to it often because it just it keeps me in a certain place and it helps me creatively. Um, and Ty is a big fan of that. So um, anyway, is since she is a big fan of the opera, it wouldn't be like out of the question to use it during some of her scenes. But I, again, I tend to choose the R&B and jazz for her. Now with TK, it's so obvious she's a hip-hop artist so hers is super easy um I use hip-hop <laughs> like straight up hip-hop it, it tends to be a little bit more of the instrumental hip-hop versus the electric-y um I don't know a good way of describing it because she's a conscious artist and her music generally the way I envision her music she's more of live band she's more of a live band sounding uh art, like someone who would rap over like the roots I know it's like an old old band but her sound isn't like the you know uh trap it's not that you know what I mean like it's not that sound so it's a very distinctive hip-hop sound but it's definitely more hip-hop 
And um, the same with Lucas, who is a singer-songwriter. So his sound is more acoustic slash soft rock, at least for now. His sound will slightly change as he does become a little bit more Justin Bieber. And, his, and I love Justin Bieber's music. Um, and Lucas will tilt less from the guy sitting in the coffee shop playing the guitar type of artist to more of the more poppy with that R&B-ish sound, like that hip-hop R&B-ish type of sound later. But for right now, we do lean more acoustic um, and softer, you know, kind of soft rock, soft pop for him. Now, with Derek St. Cyr, who we know is Dream Guy, um, he doesn't have a signature sound because he's not one of those. Those five artists that I just mentioned are our five main artists who will have arcs in every episode. And not going to go too nerdy writer on you and tell you what an arc is, but pretty much they'll have a storyline a problem and a problem that's solved in every episode. A theme will hover for them in every episode. Now, the men, is, as important as Derek will become, the men, um, he doesn't have a sound simply because we don't ever tell the story through the eyes of the men that the women are dating. They are there to support the women. So no matter how important they are, we only see them through the eyes of Kenya, Ty, or Jay. Any of the men, even if they marry him, we only see them through the eyes of the women. We never leave the women and go with the men on a trip we, or a story, whatever. We don't do that. So he does not have a signature sound, but he does have a signature song, as you might have noticed, because he's come up three times in the last three episodes. And every time we hear this dubstep song. Now, mostly because that glitchy sound that dubstep had, and I love dubstep. Oh, I love all music. As you can see, all everyone that we've named, I've said I love. But um, that glitchy sound is sort of musically the best way of kind of giving you the feeling that Kenya has when she when she sees him. Because she kind of her feel her heart is going at a certain rate. It's going at a different it seems like her heart is going at a different rate than her pulse. That's how like me- not messed up, but how weird it it makes her feel to see him and, ex- and experience and be in his presence. So when you listen to dubstep or whenever you hear Derek introduced, you, you've heard the same song three times, the same dubstep song. And it's so fun because I love the song and it's so fun to kind of play that song because as it really perfectly uh, lets you know how she's feeling. And also, just as a little bonus, if you want to see their visual styles, like I believe that fashion is a good way of like I'm a Chuck Taylors and jeans girl. Jay's more of like red bottoms, you know, super high fashion, two totally different types of girls. So I believe that our fashion kind of is exemplary. It it gives you more of a example of who we are. And uh, with that, I want you to go to Pinterest.com slash of music and men. Right. It's so cool. (laughs) So like we have these virtual closets and they've been there. I don't think I ever promote them, but they've been there. Um, So we have these virtual closets for all of the characters, at least all these ones that I just named and including her two Kenya's two male friends. So you can get a clear idea of who these people are just based on how they like to dress. And it's so cool how you see the difference between even with the men, you'll see the difference between Stax, who I didn't even name here because he doesn't have R. He's one of the guys. He doesn't have an arc. But Stax, um, who's Brandon Stakovsky, always wears suits. He's a suit and tie guy, but he always, even in leisure situation, always wears suits. <laughs> it's so funny. So um, anyway, 
go to pinterest.com slash of music and I'll link it up here and you can just check that out for fun. Now, also, as I'm about to close this out, uh, make sure to follow of music and men everywhere online at of music and men. And then you can follow me too. I'm at Kayana Ebony Brown pretty much everywhere. And then on Twitter, it's I am Kayana because the other one was too long. But don't forget to take the survey, which again is linked up here in your show notes. My goal is to continue to give you updates, answer your questions, and generally stay connected with you as I do my best to build around this incredible story. This, I love this story so much, and it pains me that I don't know how or haven't to this end no, figured out the riddle of how to get it to millions of people. It is so, it's, it's not funny because I think that everything happens in its own time, but if I didn't have that piece, I'd be going crazy right now because I'm doing, as you can see, you got books and podcasts and freaking websites and episodes to TV shows and I'm pitching to networks. Like I said, I'll tell you about that next week. I want people to be, to like see Kenya um, relate to her stories, her existential crisis that she be having. I want the world to experience this fun, funny, exciting, different story and have the same level of like enthusiasm about it that I have. And so it's so painful sometimes when I'm sitting up here like working my ass off, like seriously for the past. Like I developed this story eight years ago, yo. Like really, it was 2012 when I started coming up with this and developing it and, you know, all of that. But anyway, not going to get into that. I want you to follow us everywhere. Go to musicandmen.com, get the books, um, check out everything that you can. And like I said, I'll try my best. I'm trying my best to stay connected to you. And anyway, in the next episode, I'm going to talk to you about how things have been going. Like I said, with the pitching and this other project, uh, pitching this one and other projects to like network execs uh, to tell you a little bit about those projects. And then I'm going to reveal who my dream network would be. The dream TV slash streaming or uh, premium cable network. What the my dream one would be for Music and Men. And then I'm going to talk about how all this is actually coming together. So that's it for today. I will catch you next time with these tales of music and men. <laughs>